Ulterior. I'm a big fan of what's been going on between Elmo and Rocco on Twitter. It's a really nice change of pace from, you know, the calamity and chaos that you normally see on social media. So, yeah, that's been welcoming, I guess. Um, okay, so this episode, uh, there's going to be like a little bit of a format change. Not too much, but I'll get into what I mean by that after the intro. And then following that, we're going to have singles from the likes of Static Dress, Loathe, Alice in Wonderland, uh, Vein FM, couple of others that we'll get into, and then new albums, or records rather, from Young Mountain, Asleep at the Helm, and a non-scene release in the form of The Weeknd. So, yeah. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy this episode. Okay, so there is something that we probably do need to talk about. Um, so the way that uh, podcasting for me normally works is I will start off with singles that I liked and then mention what I maybe didn't like or didn't mind and then go into records. I normally don't really pay too much attention to the things during the week that I didn't like. I kind of just brush over my thoughts on them and then move on. But... Something happened last week that, you know, it probably is worth taking a little bit of time to elaborate on, even if it's for a song I'm not necessarily high on. Um, okay, so I knew this is going to happen eventually, and it, it's okay that it's happening right now. So, falling in reverse, Ronnie Radke. Um,. The, the band dropped a new song uh, last week. It is called Zombified. It is going to be part of an upcoming EP called Neon Zombie. I don't think there was a release date or even like a release period given for that project, but that is happening this year. And it will be something that I talk about and review extensively when it drops eventually. But for right now, let's look at Zombified because there is probably, you know, a conversation worth getting into when it comes to this song. Um, so as of right now, this is my least favorite song of the year so far. It's the only song I've rated in the two weeks that we've been in season two where it fell into like the red category. So I gave it a two out of five and I'll explain like why it was even a two and not a one or not anything higher. Um, okay. I'm, trying to, I'm really, really trying to remember like what was happening with this song because I have not heard it since I listened to it initially for reviewing purposes. Uh, I don't really want to go back and hear it. Um, it's not something that I enjoy listening to. It's not the kind of a song that I will go back to. I guess I have to go back to it when I talk about Neon Zombie eventually, but just for right now, uh, one listen was enough. And... You know, I did see d dissenting opinions about this track on social media. I did see some people, you know, completely trash shit, call it, you know, th this horrendous piece of shit. I also saw people praise it and call it, you know, good and 
a welcoming addition to the discography of Falling Universe. Um, so there's probably like a little bit of background info I need to give before going into this song specifically. So my, uh, my knowledge of Ronnie Radke extends as far back to Escape the Fate because it was at the end of 2006 when I came across him for the first time because there were some kids at my school, it was middle school at the time, I was in sixth grade, who like kind of made it a character trait to hate everything emo and just trash emo music and be like, oh, Fallout Boy sucks, Panic at the Disco sucks, AFI sucks, My Chemical Romance sucks. And they were also saying, uh, oh, Escape the Fate is garbage. And I had never heard of Escape the Fate, so I was like, is this band really that bad? I went, I went on YouTube to go listen to them, found a couple songs off of Dying Your Latest Fashion, and in turn, that became one of my favorite records of all time. So, I initially started off as a fan of Ronnie, and I will admit to still being a fan of his. I cannot pretend that I do not like Falling in a Verse. Literally, they have been incredibly important to me at different points in my life. Uh, two years ago, during one of the most difficult days I've ever had to experience, uh, their song Hanging On, which is off of Coming Home, that track helped me through that time period extensively. Um, Losing My Mind and Bad Girls Club are two of my favorite songs ever. I genuinely do like Falling Universe. I've seen them live, and I thought they were one of the most incredible live acts I've ever seen. So I do like the band, and I can't pretend that I don't. Having said that, I have always understood the issues that people have with Ronnie Ratke. I've never questioned it. I understand everything that they're saying and the angles that they're coming from and why people are so turned away by him and, you know, the character that he has, whether it's something that he's just portraying or that's really how he is. I totally get it. And I get it more than ever coming off of Zombified. So Zombified is an anti-cancel culture song. And that itself opens like this entire avenue for discourse that I'm not going to get into. I want to say, though, that Ronnie being the voice against cancel culture and all this kind of stuff is really, really strange to me, given that he has never actually been canceled. To be canceled means to be deplatformed. Ronnie has not been deplatformed. He is still popular. He still has millions upon millions of monthly listeners on Spotify. The video, or um, the Zombify video, I mean, it's already done like a million views, I believe, in a couple of days. Um, he is genuinely still one of the biggest acts in the scene. So, what I get from the song itself is more so why are people being mean to me on the internet rather than why have I been deplatformed? And it's kind of bitch made, honestly. It just feels really, really cringe and nothing that I can attach myself to because this band has given me songs in the past where I can identify with them and just like feel them extensively. I can't do that with Zombified. There's nothing lyrically here happening that I listen to and I'm like, man, this dude's spitting. I'm just like, what the fuck is this? And, you know, me being a fan of Falling in a Verse did not sway my opinion in any way. I cannot just blindly look at this and be like, yeah, it's good. It's not good. It's just really, 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 really fucking cringe. And, like, 
to, and also understanding that the dude is like almost 40. I, I don't understand it whatsoever. Um, I just, I, I didn't really have anything in mind for what I was going to say about this track. It's just something that like, it's really disheartening, I guess, as somebody who champions falling in a verse and has been a fan of them for a long time and believes that like, uh, they had not missed in any capacity for, uh, you know, more than a couple of years. I really like coming home. I like the singles that followed, like losing my mind, losing my life, uh, drugs, popular monster. I liked all that. But then zombified happened and for at least a moment, I was lost. Like they lost me and I cannot really find a ton of redeeming qualities about this track. If anything, I would say that instrumentally, it is pretty good for the most part. I'm able to listen to the riff and kind of like, you know, nod my head to it and be like, yeah, okay, this is pretty good. And then maybe like the last 35% of the song really just sounds like a rehashing of what was happening on Popular Monster. It has like the same progression. It has the same kind of a breakdown, the same like uh, lead in for the final chorus. It's just like kind of a copy and paste job in a lot of ways. And then a copy and paste job where the lyrical content was changed to something that is just really, really, really abysmal in my opinion. And, you know, I, I think I might be able to provide like a unique perspective on this track as somebody who likes falling in a verse, but can acknowledge that he does not fuck with this song whatsoever. You know, it, it, it kind of feels like the people who have been commenting about this song so far, they either, you know, have this pre-existing disdain for the band or a pre-existing love for them. I like the band, but this song, it, it, it's not it, dude. This does nothing for me other than just like make me really fucking nervous for what's going to happen with the rest of this EP once that happens. But that was that topic. Now let's move on to some shit that I am not nervous about such as the number one ranked song in Scenic Overlook over this past week, that being the brand new Static Dress song featuring King Yosef called Dissenter. They did it again. Like, genuinely, Static Dress continues to be, in my opinion, the most impressive and consistent young band rising in the scene today. So, every chance I get to talk about Static Dress, I constantly gas them up, and I do so because I really, really do believe that they've earned that much respect and reverence out of not only myself, but everybody else who comes across them. I don't see how it's possible to look at this band and just not, like, have it be immediately implemented into your mind that they are the future we are literally looking at the next mega stars of the scene be born before our eyes and they're doing so under their own terms like they are taking every chance that they possibly can and it's paying off immensely not just like in terms of their sound but the weird abstract aesthetic to all of their visuals it just makes for one of the most unique packages i've ever seen out of any band and it's so fucking cool to have the sound match the amount of effort put into this band's presentation. So I've said before that out of every band partaking in the 
post-hardcore revival sound happening right now in the scene, I believe Static Dress is doing it better than anybody else. And Dissenter further proves that, in my opinion. I think this song, it, it blends everything they could possibly ask for out of, like, a throwback style with some of the more contemporary sounds in post-hardcore music and adding in the King Yosef feature, I don't want to say it elevates uh, Dissenter to another level because I kind of think it's on the same playing field as like Sweet or For the Attention Of, but what that does is it really allows Dissenter to have like its own flavor and character that makes it completely unique from everything else Static Dress has been doing. Um, so this is going to be part of a new record at some point soon this year called Rouge Carpet Disaster. Uh, so Dissenter is one of the two songs released so far that's going to be on there. The other one being Sweet, which came out back in June of 2021. Um, I think there's a spring uh, release date for, for this thing. What that actually means, I don't know. Other than the, like, finally concrete information that there is a full-length Static Dress project coming out soon and like I don't want to say every band should be scared of Static Dress but every band should at least be paying attention to what they're doing and understand that like this is how you go about crafting your own identity in this day and age and just kind of looking at the model set by Static Dress and understanding that this band paved their own way did things their own way and look at where it's gotten them so here's one that i wasn't expecting to go in depth on this week six feet down by led by lanterns featuring waved So this is my second time mentioning Led by Lanterns on this show, but it's the first time I'm like really, really going in depth on them. I mentioned their track good enough back during the final regular weekly episode of the series for 2021. And, you know, I, I didn't give it the, it's like full time and attention there, but with Six Feet Down, like I had no choice. It was undeniable the extent to which I came to love and enjoy the song almost immediately. Like, you press play on it, and just, like, these kinds of, uh, like, infectious groove bits are, like, you know, pulsating through the rhythm. I would say this really reminds me of a band called Paloma, if anybody here is familiar with them. They used to be called Light Up the Sky, but now they're Paloma, and that's sort of, like, um almost like a pop-inspired side of the scene of post-hardcore. That is what six feet down falls into in terms of categories and it does it incredibly well there is so much love about this song it's catchy the hook is just like so uh rhythmic and immediately gets stuck in your head or at least my head um and you know this is really just like a taste of what is to come off of the full-length album from led by lanterns paralysis out january 28th and suddenly it, it feels like this band could actually be like insanely impactful for this month in the scene so to go from the pop end of the scene spectrum all the way to the absolute fucking brutality that the scene can sometimes bring to us, there is a brand new Vane FM song called The Killing Womb.
so far the heaviest song I've listened to this year, but then also one of the best. The Killing Womb is the lead single off of This World is Going to Ruin You, which I believe is out at the beginning of March, maybe sometime towards the middle, but it's around that March period, and generally this record cannot come soon enough. Soon enough. I immediately fell in love with The Killing Womb and just like how it wastes no time building itself up and once it gets into like those heavy sections like really fucking brutally heavy sections the song just takes on a life of its own and it kind of just like encompasses your mind and like you know the 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 uh the experience is only enhanced if you're watching the music video because the video is as gore filled as the song sounds sonically um, i don't want to like spoil anything about the video because it really is something that you need to kind of experience for yourself but as someone like myself who's just like so into that kind of grotesque imagery like this video really really spoke to me i love everything about the packaging of the killing womb and everything that that this song brought to me and the level of anticipation that it builds for this world is going to ruin you for the second consecutive month in a row alice in wonderland is back again to fuck us up on a spiritual level with a brand new song fear of dying This is her second single in a matter of a couple weeks, the last one having been Fuck You, Love You, which was the final number one song for Zena Govlook in season one of Ulterior. And with that song, it had like this kind of a, like a dark, almost brooding nature to its tone. Whereas Fear of Dying, it has a similar like pacing in terms of how slow the buildup initially is. But I think there's enough uh, like energy here that speaks more to this upbeat nature as opposed to Fuck You, Love You. Fear of Dying, I think, shows a side of Allison that, um, you know, I don't want to say has a lot more to offer than Fuck You, Love You, but, like, for whatever project is coming up for her this year, I would hope it is more in alignment with Fear of Dying as opposed to Fuck You, Love You, just because, like, that is the kind of tone from her that I am more well-receptive of, if you, if you want to put it that way. Um, and I, I say all this not knowing for sure if she has a record this year, but I would just really, really hope so. Uh, she hasn't had a full-length since awake back in 2018 um and the thing that i think gets my hopes up is that fear of dying and fuck you love you are like paired together in the single release for fear of dying on spotify so you know maybe there is something more here one of the most talked about bands in the scene over the last number of years is back loathe has a new single out called dimorphous display Real quick, it's kind of fucking me up what uh, artwork Loathe wants to use for this single because initially it was like this black and white art and then when I made the uh, the graphic for the singles reviews, it was like this different artwork that was more black based than anything else and then now that I'm reviewing it again, I see that it's back to that initial black and white art so, um, you know, I guess a little bit of inconsistency, inconsistency there but it's whatever. Um, okay, so Loathe. This band has kind of been on, like, everyone's lips over the last number of years, like I just said already. Um, they had a record back out in 2020 called I Let It In and It Took Everything. And 
that seemingly like no pun intended really did take over everything like that was the the discussion for 2020 that was the record for a lot of people for myself personally i like it i also think it has like some minor issues that prevented me from really embracing i let it in the way that seemingly everyone else did um demorphous display i think carries over a lot of like that chaotic nature too i let it in while also having this new mixing that really lets it stand out on its own and i love that for demorphous display um i think it is right there with some of the better songs off of i let it in not the best ones but just some of the better ones in my opinion um there's like this uh i mentioned the mixing there's like this power to the snare drum that it's hard to explain but like it really really lets demorphous display shine in a way that maybe it wouldn't have otherwise um so i mentioned the chaos earlier but then there's also like a lot of like real um beauty tendencies laced off this song it's this weird amalgamation that i think perfectly sums up what loathe has been doing and you know whatever is going to come out of this band this year i know it's going to get talked about i know so many people are going to be you know ready to adore whatever is coming out of load this year i want to be there with them there's another new single out from breathe atlantis this time it is the song changes The song features Nico from uh, Callboy. That's not really their name, but they have said uh, publicly recently that they are considering changing their name because the other word in there, aside from Callboy, uh, it's like a slur. And if the band is considering changing the name and they don't really feel comfortable with that being there, I'm also not going to feel comfortable saying it. So I'm just saying Callboy for now. Um, but as far as the song changes goes, this is a kind of a safe play from Breathe Atlantis, I would say. It has like that real serious XM octane vibe going for it throughout the verses and the chorus. The chorus is massive. It sounds great. Um, I do like the song. I don't think it's up to par with some of the other material that they've released over the last year, like uh, Overdrive, for example. But I do like it. I do enjoy the direction that Breathe Atlantis have been going in. And, you know, if this is going to pay off in some kind of a project this year, whether that be a record or, I mean, uh, an album or an EP, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot to be excited for over Breathe Atlantis. And I'm really, really happy to be able to have the chance to potentially introduce people listening to the show to Breathe Atlantis. The final single that I'll be giving its own spotlight to for this episode comes from Project and it's called Break My Heart. A little bit of an embarrassing thing on my end. This was my first time hearing about Project. And when you look at his Spotify discography, this guy's been going crazy for like a while now, at least, you know, a couple of years, maybe like half a decade. And this is my first time coming across him. And, you know, I feel like, um, like I was missing out because this guy has some real fucking talent to him. And Break My Heart was like a really, really good way for me to be introduced to Project and exactly understand like who he is. So Break My Heart, the first half of it, it like has this real emotional acoustic buildup to it. And all throughout that portion, I'm like sitting there just kind of like in amazement and wondering like, 
where is this going? Because I know it's going somewhere. And then it just breaks out into this fucking like borderline metalcore track. And it really, really took me aback. I love everything about Break My Heart. I love the journey that it took me on the roller coaster. And when it goes back to that acoustic uh, part for like, the outro, that like last couple seconds, it really allowed me time to just kind of like sit back and be like, man, that was a fucking song. Like that was an incredible way for me to learn who this guy is. And I want to continue to learn who he is because like I said, project, like this is a real talent in the scene. And I feel ashamed for having missed out on that. These were the remaining singles from last week that I reviewed and I gave either a 5 or a 4 to. Life Like This by Afterthought. Episode by American Theory. Can We by Avi Turner featuring Kiana Noel. 666 Skincare by Becco. Endless Pain by Chasing Dreams. Two Towers by Fit for an Autopsy. Velvet Room by Notions. Umbra by Ode of Disgrace. Fuckboy Rejects by Royal and Serpent. Gaslight by Soft Cult, Attention Junkie by Story Untold featuring Dallas, Vertigo by Valiant Hearts featuring Marvin Bruckwilder, Born Again by Varia, and Sardonyx by Windrunner featuring Tobias Reich from uh, A Novelist. I, I wanted to say Alaska, but I was like, Alaska doesn't exist anymore, sadly, but you know, it'd be what it'd be. There was one song that I gave a 3 out of 5 to, so that middle ground didn't mind level, that having been No Vacancy by Righteous Vendetta. Um, it was a mixing issue. Um, I, I could understand what the song was going for, and I think with like better mixing and production, it would have been able to soar it, it, in the kind of way that I want these singles to, but that was kind of what I felt was holding it back. A, a good song nonetheless, but you know, it could have been better. Okay, so now I'm going to go ahead and get into some records. There were three from last week. It's a really, really strange trio, and I'll explain later on what I mean by strange. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start with the one EP from last week, that having been If You Leave by Young Mountain. So generally, if I know I'm going to talk about a band on here who I'm not familiar with, I've never heard of them before or have any familiarity with their material, I will try doing at least a little bit of research beforehand about who they are before I go into their material. Um, but last week, I had gone through the two records I still have to talk about, and I was kind of just like, this can't be it. I can't just review two records this week. I need at least one more project. So I was like, just kind of like uh, looking through Twitter, seeing what there was. I believe State of the Scene might have retweeted uh, this band or interacted with them in some way, but I came across this EP and I was like, sure, fuck it. Let's just listen to it. So I listened through all of If You Leave without ever realizing who is actually a part of this band. Because what they've been able to do, it sounds so distant from anything that I would associate with these people. So, for instance, the vocalist of Young Mountain is Hans Allegood, who used to be in What Was Me and Favorite Weapon. Uh, that latter What Was Me record, and then even the, the American Dream EP, I really like them. Uh, the one favorite record, or favorite weapon record, I think that is like such a, a hidden and underappreciated gem in the scene. And, you know, I, I would say that from those uh, projects, 
I thought I could recognize Hans's voice, yet hearing Young Mountain, it never ever once registered to me that this was him. The band also features members who have history with acts like uh, Slaves and Of Machines, and then one of the songs on here actually features uh, Michael Bond, who used to be in What Was Me and Issues, so in some ways, Young Mountain is kind of like this superpower entity with all of these different acts that bring so much experience and versatility from bands that you know, I didn't think I'd ever hear about again. Like, when was the last time I really thought about What Was Me or Of Machines or Favorite Weapon? You know, it definitely been a minute. And then hearing Young Mountain and having to do research afterwards about who they were, it was like, man, what the fuck did I just listen to? Because there was nothing in this alternative rock package that I could make connections to from anything that I've heard prior from any other band. And that's my way of saying that the sound cultivated here from Young Mountain is so kind of innovative and really, really unique to just themselves. And I think that is the strongest suit of this record. There is nothing that I can compare it to sonically. There's nothing else out there that sounds like it. So um, because I didn't know about this band before last week, the two singles they had released ahead of this EP, I didn't know about them. And this is my first time being exposed to them. Uh, the lead single, James Albert, that ended up being my favorite song on this EP. I think it is the most perfect um, like point of reference to what you get from Young Mountain. It has like a, a ton of like really kind of like beautiful and maybe uh, adorable even uh, builds throughout the verses and then into the chorus and how like everything is kind of uh, very oddly structured. It's like I know I said alternative rock earlier. There's like hints of indie and then like maybe like small little bits of shoegaze thrown in. And it all just feels so atmospheric, but like atmospheric in the sense of like imagining, you know, some hippies sitting around a forest just like watching, you know, the stars in the sky. And this is a soundtrack to that. I know it's like a really, really weird way to explain this track and I guess Young Mountain overall, but that was kind of just like what popped into my head visually hearing James Albert. It's like so just enchanting in a lot of ways. And I think the same thing can be said for the other single, uh, If You Leave, which is a title track, uh, that closes this EP. And I think that is the most fitting choice for a closer. It has that kind of like this uh, epic feel to it. Um, there's this like little bit in the middle of the track where it sounds like buttons being dialed and having that kind of technological uh, implementation into this uh, very almost like bare bones sound. It, it makes for like this uh, oxymoron in some ways sonically. And that was an element that really, really, really stood out to me. And it was one of those instances where I was just kind of like listening to this record and I thought to myself like, man, I don't think this band like fully, fully has it figured out right now, but when they do figure it out eventually, like this is genuinely going to be something that I think people are going to be talking about and more and more people need to know about Young Mountain if this is an indicator of like where uh, they're going to be heading after this launching point. Um, the other two songs present here, Doomgazer and Irma, the latter featuring Michael Bond, like I mentioned earlier. Um, I think with these two songs, they kind of, uh, if I could point out like maybe one flaw with this EP, it's that there are some moments in these tracks where it kind of feels like the buildup doesn't really have the proper payoff or at least 
proper in the same sense of uh, how it was done on James Albert. It kind of feels like maybe there was just a little bit more to be said with these songs. Um, just like, I don't want to say they feel incomplete. They just kind of feel like, um, you know, okay, so I gave them a four out of five. It genuinely feels like if I handed in like a paper for school and I got back like a, like a 90 or a 92, some shit like that. And there was literally just like one thing that could have been done differently to make it uh, a perfect score. That is what I felt with these two songs. Like just maybe a, a little bit more of a rewarding payoff to some of these moments that were built that would have really, really sent these songs over the top. And, you know, I might have been talking about this as being my favorite release of last week. It was definitely close. I genuinely enjoyed the time I got to spend with If You Leave. Um, and I would hope that everything I've been saying can, like, really, really resonate and it all makes sense. There was nothing that I've listened to recently, at least, like, what comes to mind or, or like, recent memory that I can say has any similarities to Young Mountain or reminds me of Young Mountain. This is such a unique act and this is the kind of EP that I feel like so proud to be championing and I have no problem telling all of you guys listening that you need to go check out Young Mountain. Asleep at the Helm dropped their latest album last Friday. It is called Keepsake. This was another case of me not remembering that I have heard of this band before, and I actually have uh, not mentioned them, but or I guess mentioned, but I have um, brought them into the canon universe for Ulterior at some point. So the title track, Keepsake, it got dropped as a single, and I had saved it to Spotify at the beginning of November. I remember hearing it. I think I said I liked it on social media, but... Um, so that single kind of uh, goes into one of the issues I have with this record at large, which is that some of these moments are not really memorable. Like there aren't a ton of moments with uh, Keepsake that I can look at and say like, man, that really, really stood out to me. And I know I'm like kind of starting off the review on a bad note, but I guess uh, talking about Keepsake as a single leads me into like, you know, these gripes. Um, so it's a metalcore record. And in some instances, it falls into that trope of metalcore being like very samey and kind of just like having a constant sound that gets tiring after a while. That's not me saying that there's anything about this record that gets tiring because I do think every song present here is good to some extent. Just maybe as the record progresses, you know, like my desire for these tracks to really, really stand out from everything else I've been listening to over the last, you know, year for Ulterior. Um, it doesn't happen. Like, it just doesn't come to fruition, and that's fine. Um, but just, you know, some innovation later on would have really, really helped this record's case, in my opinion. Um, so I guess because I just got, you know, those issues out of the way right now, I want to go ahead and get into what I believe is the strongest point of this record, that being the track What Lurks With It, which features Tobias Young from Our Hollow, Our Home. This song, it feels kind of like a compilation of the last 20 years of metalcore like just all fit into one song 
um, the heavy moments are like really, really blistering and they feel so, um, coherent and like really, really, uh, like there's a purpose to these moments on this song when it gets heavy. It's not just heavy for the sake of it. And then when it gets into the clean chorus, there's this certain like delivery with not only the vocal, uh, the vocals, but also the guitar work. Like it kind of speaks to, like 2000s post hardcore in some ways it's just like a really really cool sounding chorus that i thought worked tremendously well i love what lurks within so much it was one of my favorite songs from last week um and then even like when you get into the second chorus there's more of that like uh really really just like clean and emotional melodic guitar work that you know, whenever that kind of a throwback to the 2000s post-hardcore sound is implemented into modern day songs and it's done extensively well to this point, like, I'm such a sucker for that shit, dude. I will stand the fuck out of any song that does that. I think some other high points of the record came from the songs Inadequate, which features Jimmy Dahmer from Shores, and then Altered State, which features Ben Ville from, uh, what was he from again? Uh, Envisions. I apologize for forgetting that momentarily. Um... And that kind of brings me to one point of this record in that my three favorite songs happen to be the ones that have feature spots. And I don't know if that's entirely accredited to the features specifically, but I thought that was worth noting that like those were the moments where to me it felt like Asleep at the Helm like really, really capitalized on everything that I can hear from within these tracks in terms of the amount of talent and potential found in this band. Um, there is a back-to-back -back stretch on this record that I do want to point out briefly, that being Black Skies and then Your Presence. Black Skies is kind of this interlude song, but it's not, like, really just to provide a break in the record. It's also, like, the acting of, uh, I guess, like, a new, uh, chapter to the record, if you want to put it that way. Like, you can divide this record into sections, and I would say Black Skies, uh, like, really, um, you know, lends itself to developing the endgame for... Uh, keepsake and then that goes into your presence like i said earlier and i don't think i appreciated that song enough initially hearing it um it's one of those like scaled back tracks from sleep at the helm but they take on these concepts in such an incredible manner and it's generally like a really really good fucking song that again maybe i didn't appreciate enough at the time um i would say that after that the record it feels like it has good ideas, and to some, to some extent, they are executed properly, but with a song like In Vain, which is another instance of Asleep at the Helm kind of taking on a softer, slower side, something feels a little bit off with the delivery. I don't know if it's the production or the mixing or the vocal delivery, but there's just something about In Vain where I listen to it and I'm like, man, if this like clicked with whatever it's missing this could have genuinely been my favorite song on the record and you know it, it's kind of a shame that i'm talking about it in that manner because again it still is really really good i think the closing song detached that has some of the more uh chaotic elements that you can find instrumentally on this record and in that sense i think it does a good job at standing out on its own and it makes for a good closer but by that point, I kind of felt like some of the material here blended with each other. I feel similarly to this record that I did when I talked about Malfoy last week in that, uh, for the most part, I enjoyed what I got through this record and I liked the time I spent with it, but I'm unsure of the staying power of Keepsake. I don't really know like how I'm going to feel about this record in a month, if I'm going to re remember I heard it, uh, if I'm going to remember any of the moments that were not on the aforementioned highlighted songs like What Lurks Within or uh, Altered State. 
So, you know, that remains to be seen. But as the record stands right now, I will say this was a successful outing from Asleep at the Helm. I do like it. I don't think it's per uh, perfect nor great or anything of that caliber. But I think uh, this was a really good way for me to at least be introduced to Asleep at the Helm and to begin paying attention to their careers from here on out. The final record to be talked about today, uh, this very well could end up being the biggest album I discuss on Ulterior for Season 2, just in terms of like the scope of this artist and how many people have already listened to this record and how many are still, uh, have yet to hear it. Is that a car? Yeah, that was a car. I fucking hate this shit, man. I, I need my own place soon. Uh, we'll work there, though. Um, but right now, in this present moment, we are discussing Dawn FM by The Weeknd. So why am I even talking about this record? Uh, so I've said before that Ulterior is primarily scene-based, not exclusively. Whenever I have the chance during lighter weeks to talk about releases from mainstream artists, I will do that. I didn't get to do it too often last year because uh, like towards the end of the year, it seemed to be that every week was just like packed with scene records that I needed to attend to. But for a week like this where all I had was Asleep at the Helm and Young Mountain, it made sense for me to dive into the weekend for this week's episode. So my foray into the weekend's material, well, firstly, I don't need to introduce this guy. You all know who the weekend is. Even if you think you don't, you do. Uh, so I don't re uh, really need to go in depth on like who he is or anything like that. But I will go in detail about how I found the weekend because I was a little bit late to the celebration, if you will, of the weekend's talents. I my first record with him was Beauty Behind the Madness back in 2015. So, you know, I wasn't there for Kissland or Trilogy, but Beauty Behind the Madness, I listened to that in full the day it dropped. And like that record, it really, really stuck with me. There were so many songs off of there, like uh, Losers and Tell Your Friends, that I still go back to regularly. I think those are incredible songs, and that's kind of been a patterning with The Weeknd's material from then on out. So, like, um, you know, with Starboy, the title track, I can, like, just, you know, easily have it be stuck in my head for uh, no reason, apropos of absolutely nothing, and it's just there. Um, when After Hours came out last year, that was like a... That was kind of a quarantine record, I think. Maybe not exactly, but like I, f I associate that record with that time period. Um, Blinding Lights. I know everybody has heard that song already. Some people are probably tired of it. it. It's been two years at this point. I am not tired of Blinding Lights. I go back to that song literally weekly. I think Blinding Lights is, at the very, very least, one of the best pop songs ever made. I think it's one of the best songs ever made in general, but like, you know, that's discourse for another time, I suppose. But, so... Like, for a mainstream artist, I have gravitated to The Weeknd's material immensely. I think this guy is a generational talent, and he has been more than deserving of the acclaim he's received. So then, getting to Dawn FM, I have seen some, uh, you know, opposing views when it comes to this record. I've seen people, uh, you know, uh, proclaim it to be one of the coolest things I've ever listened to, and that it's this incredible body of work. And then I've also seen people call it disappointing or lackluster or just like, you know, 
uh, different things of that um, that scale, I guess. So what I will say right off the bat is I do not like Dawn FM anywhere near as much as anything that The Weeknd has done prior since I first heard Beauty Behind the Madness. Uh, that doesn't mean that I don't like Dawn FM. I do. I think Dawn FM is incredible. I think where the disconnect comes from is how, and this is like at least how I feel right now. This can easily change in the futures, and I'm acknowledging that, but for at least this present moment for this review, the way that I just gassed up certain songs, so like Beauty Behind the Madness had uh, Losers, or uh, Tell Your Friends, and then Starboy had the title track, and then After Hours had Blinding Lights. I don't know if I hear anything on Dawn FM that has the potential to stick with me and impact me the way that those songs did. I don't know if I hear a hit on this record. And that's not to say that uh, The Weeknd misses anywhere. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, listening to all these songs all the way through, I couldn't identify one as being like, this is going to be up there with my favorite Weeknd songs. Um, there are two songs that come close, and if my opinion on this matter is going to change in the future, I would say these are the two songs that can do that. Sacrifice and I Heard You're Married, which features Lil Wayne. Sacrifice, it kind of has like a, like an 80s synth pop uh, vibrancy going for it. Like the way that that little rhythm of like the do 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 like the way that's spread throughout the song and it just like infiltrates my brain. Like that shit is cool, dog. I fuck with that immensely. And then I Heard You're Married, it kind of like has a, a little bit of a scaled back nature when it comes to that pop sensibility and like um, embracing those tones, I guess. Yet it's still structured and laid out perfectly. And I think the Lil Wayne feature is worked into this song seamlessly. It just feels so natural. Um, so I think those are the two songs that really, really stood out to me in the best ways. And again, if there is going to be a record on the, or, or song on this record, excuse me, that I can put on a pedestal the same way I did Blinding Lights or Starboy, it's probably going to be one of those two. I think the transitions on this record is another high point. It's all done incredibly well. Um, the little implementation of like the the radio DJ stuff all throughout the record, um, I enjoy that factor. I think it's a really good way to kind of separate Dawn FM from everything else that The Weeknd has done before, and it gives it its own little character and story, and I really, really enjoy that. Um, there was one song that, like, just kind of briefly in some way lost me to a certain extent, that being Starry Eyes. Starry Eyes comes, like, maybe towards the end of the record, and there's something about the way that song tries taking on a slower tempo and a slower concept for Dawn FM that I can understand what is happening here. And I do, to some extent, like the song, but just hearing it for the first time, I was kind of like teetering between uh, this is cool or this is kind of boring. And that was like, you know, genuinely what I felt. Um, but the thing is, that's the only song on this record where I feel that way towards um, and even if I didn't single these songs out, songs like How Do I Make You Love Me, um, Out of Time, Don't Break My Heart, Lesson Zero, they all also embrace every bit of like the throwback pop style that The Weeknd was going for on Dawn FM, and I think it lays out the, the groundwork for him to further explore these concepts in the future if he chooses to. Like, this record has no shortage of catchy moments, and just like the way that even songs that maybe I wasn't as high on 
um like take my breath or every angel is terrifying there's still little moments in there that you know just kind of got like lodged into my brain and the next day i kind of had to like be like what is this from like i know it's the weekend but i can't remember exactly what track it was so then that's where i go back to dawn fm and kind of uh revisit these moments and like relearn them and re um re-embrace them i don't think re-embrace is a word but let's just go with that phrase for this um so I do think Dawn FM has a lot of replayability. I think it's done it's done a good job over the last week I've been able to spend with it at making me want to revisit it. The only thing though is that with every revisit, my opinion is not necessarily changing. I still kind of have that mentality of this is really, really good. Um, but the weekend has material in the past that I'm probably more inclined to go back to over Dawn FM. But I do encourage everybody to go out and listen to this record on their own to establish their own opinion. And probably almost everybody who's listening to this right now, I'd imagine, has heard the record at least in some manner by now. Um, if you haven't, you're definitely, definitely late. And you really, really should make the time to go check out Dawn FM because I think it's another good showcase of The weekend, kind of taking that mantle as like the spearhead of mainstream pop music. And that's it. That was everything I had to talk about for this week, week two of season two. Um, so, you know, this was a little bit of a slower week. I don't really know how many more weeks coming up there are like that, uh, because this week, uh, week three, it's not slow at all. There are six records for me to get through, six as of right now. Maybe that can, you know, be added on to. I really hope not, because I don't want to talk about, like, that much music in one week. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, so, yeah, I'll go ahead and just... Uh, let everybody go and do whatever you're going to do now. Go uh, drink water, go outside, touch some grass, uh, maybe watch some John Moran highlights. You know, you, you do you. Go do you. Go do what makes you happy. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.